0: Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, uh, rocking again, a very comfortable sweater, just loving that (laughs) Iowa winner, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. How are you doing, friend? Feeling positive, dude, and it's all
1: on the back of a video game. It's incredible.
0: Dude, yeah, thanks to Forza Horizon 5, I expect you to have on a neon jump suit next time (laughs) we... (laughs) Right? Um that like shorts ankle socks and some extremely trendy uh probably like a micro brand tennis shoe you know like Yeah yeah
1: and a cyborg arm for some reason I don't know why yeah. but yeah I need that yeah
0: Yeah hey can you floss is the real question <laughs> Um for older listeners that's a dance that was popular like 4 years ago but here we are Um anyway Cameron Magic the Gathering Crimson vow new set has come out <clears throat> I want to just do a mega segment, talk about our experiences. The new standard, and there is a quasi new standard that I think it's very much we're talking about. Uh, I'm kind of peeling back off of limited just because of you know time constraints, and I've been hitting standard real hard. But you played some limited. I
1: have, yeah. I've played um, two go arounds of sealed using uh, Crimson Vow and so far so good. Uh I'm enjoying this. Like I I like m- w- some of the matchups I've had. Like I think they've been some really interesting interactive games. Um I haven't had any sort of matchups where I feel like this is planeswalker drops and the game's over, right? Nothing like that. There hasn't felt like the giant bombs that have kind of dominated I think a lot of like limited and sealed in recent memory for me. Um, but anyway, first one I played was Black Red Vampires using Blood Tokens. Um, and dude, we got to talk about Blood Tokens because that is a limited all star, in my opinion. The ability with like Vampires and some of these cards like generate you tons, tons, and tons of Blood Tokens uh, that you can use for a, ver- a variety of things, you know, adding plus one, plus one counters or you know, bringing something back from the graveyard. There's all of that. But in addition, just the card filtering mechanic of that is not nothing. I mean, it's essentially faithless looting. um, (laughs) And it's really, 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 it's not faithless looting, but it's really good as far as um, card filtration in the context of limited, especially in late game. When I have seven blood tokens and like, oh, I drew a land, filter that. Get the you know the next powerhouse or finisher that I need, and um, away we go. So I find that to be, uh, for me, the all-star mechanic of Crimson Vow.
0: Um, I, I would just say I th- I find looting in general to be a much more enjoyable limited mechanic than constructed mechanic because in constructed it's either <laughs> totally ignorable or completely busted. When limited, you're right. Like there is a nice way of like, oh, I've drawn my eighth swamp it would be nice to have some kind of outlook for that. So anyway, proceed.
1: I, yeah, I really like it. Uh, I feel like some of the graveyard synergies that come from looting and just having like, you know, these, some of these creatures that help bring back other creatures from the yard, um, seem super powerful, but not broken. So black, red vampires, um, I went through the entire thing, only dropped one game, you know, which was awesome. And like, it was, I had a really good, uh, limited pool for that. Um, Next up, I played green, green, red wolves, werewolves. I don't even want to call it lots of dogs. We'll just say that, um, and this one was really good. Um, and, but not nearly over the top that I felt the way the, the blood tokens were for me. Um, but you know, getting just a, giant mass of of wolves on the battlefield um there's a lot of ways that you can net an additional creature or additional wolf and um essentially bitter blossom your opponent you know with like this wide field and just go super wide with uh with some of this stuff so good not i would say amazing um i feel like i like Anytime I saw an opponent playing blue, I just like rolled over them. I feel like that was just like a super lackluster color right now. Mm-hmm. Um, white seems like it has some things going on, but for me, green and red seem to be like the most powerful colors for Crimson Val.
0: Cool, man. Uh, I would love to play. <laughs> like, I just feel like I'm so behind. Unlimited this set and the previous set, I just have not had the opportunity to touch. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I've gotten you know 45 minutes a day what can i devote myself to and so constructed kind of becomes the easy window for that um but i've heard positive things it sounds like you're positive on it as well yeah generally uh, positive yeah um so let's talk constructed have you just been laying all the way off waiting in the wings as it were
1: yeah this first week i'll always just play constructed try to gain a decent amount of cards and uh, wild cards in order to build or find the cards that I need for constructed.
0: Uh, well, I'll tell you, man, this is not easy on the old wild cards. Anytime there's a set with dual lands, yeah, um, yeah. you kind of feel uh, right, little little uh, tapped out. And I would also point out that these dual lands are quite good, mm-hmm. right? And so <laughs> you, there's it's not like the snarls where you're like, eh, uh, we'll see if I get to those, whatever. Um, these are probably ones that you'll have to use in Historic. Um, I would not be surprised. So there is that element to it. So what I want to do is kind of just talk about my experience playing the standard and then talk about kind of the overall trends, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, so first of all, surprising no one, I was like, what are the good control list? Right. And so have you seen Holebreaker Horror? Because that's this is going to be the card that this all kind of like rotates around okay <coughs> all right so it is five blue blue for a creature crack and horror seven eight flash cannot be countered whenever you cast a spell choose up to one return target spell you don't control to its owner's hand return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand so translation once you have the way that this functionally works is mm. <coughs> as a closer you put it in play at the end of your opponent's turn, and then every spell that they put on the stack, you can Fading Hope, Divide by Zero, whatever, you can bounce one of their things that's already on the field, as well as, or kill one of their things with the hero's downfelt, as well as return the actual spell to their hand. So a lot of times, <coughs> it results in a two-for-one. I would also point out, it is not necessarily an opponent controls. So you can return this can return itself to its hand. Like there's a lot of like little nasty things to do with it. But what's weird with blue black control is this is now taking this form where because you want this card usually as a two of now Sedgemore Witch enters the fray as the complementary piece. Oh now now I see the eyebrows raising, Cameron. (laughs) Um, This is like your favorite kind of card, the young pyromancer monastery uh, monk. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. Was, it, was it monastery? Monk? Mentor, mentor, mentor. Yeah, there you go. I, I, you probably have them all tattooed on your arm at this stage. But, <laughs> um, so basically, you play that those two, and then in conjunction, <coughs> you play Fading Hope, which is the bounce spell. Uh, you might play Duress effects. Uh, Hero's Downfall also is really good, but I've just had these multiple ter- times where uh, the Rin in seven doesn't matter right Mm -hmm. because i have said more which i fading hope their token kill their ren and seven and that you know generate a pest or whatever so you can also play leer the uh pass and flame style card um but what's weird is there's almost no counter spells in this deck it is Hmm. way more about providing tempo and low cost mana spells to trigger these things which is really cool right um Anyway, so that's been the blue black experience. I'm still, uh, you know, losing to these aggro draws that are really, really, really aggressive. Mm. Um, mono green, not so much, but specifically mono white can really mess up your day. Um, so blue black control, I think, will still be kind of comfortably tier two. Um, I think if you're playing against the spells only version of blue red or the kind of mid rangey version of Mono Green, you're probably slightly favored and then not favored against anything else. Hmm. Um, Because the wrath effects that you need to beat Mono White or Mono Red, you have to play in kind of short supply. And if you're playing Sedgemore Witch and Holebreaker Horror, you definitely don't want these things. So (coughs) it's kind of a pick-your-poison style of situation. Like, a, a lot of them have gone to Blood on the Snow because it's kind of the wrath effect with Upside. Yep um but it's kind of weird how we're not talking about hero's downfall which is a standard defining card of standards past (laughs) and it's just kind of it's just kind of like yeah maybe i'll throw one or two in there we'll see relegated Um, to an uncommon (laughs) yeah yeah um but here's some other things that i would just want to point out so the mana is now really good so uh, specifically the blue red deck I think is going to start stretching out to that third color I've seen a lot of rug I've seen a lot of Grixis um Grixis tends to be the mirror breaker uh for that because you have some kind of you know hand disruption and things like that or you could side in such more witches which again can kind of be a weird problem for some of these other <laughs> control decks uh Everyone forgets that suchmore Witch has Menace, by the way. Mm, yeah, <laughs> That has yeah. happened to me multiple times over the course of playing these decks. But uh, you're just so low risk with these untapped lands now that you have the full set that, like, really after turn three, it's kind of negligible to play yeah. a third color if you're going big. Um, and I've seen that more and more. Rug seems to be the most popular for the ramp aspect. Um, and also if you want the lesson element of things, rug tends to work out a little bit better. Mascot exhibition weirdly is um, like really good uh, in a bunch of scenarios. Cause like if you mascot exhibition and they epiphany you twice, a lot of times you still have a lot of beef on the ground (laughs) to like stop them from killing you. Um, But yeah, I've also seen, I don't want you to get your hopes up here, Cameron. I've seen Esper list, Floating around, yeah, yeah, and it's it's like you're just playing the white for the vanishing verse, which is the exile a monochromatic permanent gold card, but then you don't need white otherwise. So like that helps you get like ranger class here or there, or a like literally that's it. I mean, because yeah. <laughs> Ren and Seven you can get with Heroes Downfall, you can get with Blood Chiefs, whatever. Yeah. You get a Seekus Chariot. Sorry, that's the other big one. I know somebody's probably yelling at their car. A Seekus Chariot. Because everyone seems to be much more worried about that card than I am. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Aggro decks. Um, I would love to tell you that this format is going to be so different that we're going to get out of this Epiphany versus Aggro deck scenario. I really don't think so, and here's why. Both Ascendant Pack Leader and Thalia... So it's an impact leader in mono green. I don't know if you've seen that card. We should have talked about the card. card. I don't know. It's a really good it's card. It's a yeah, it's a really was it in your pool? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: Dude. that <laughs> with with it doesn't matter four uh, four mana, you know, common green card rock and roll man, like you're doing
0: something. <laughs> Dude, I want you to do me a favor on the next release day. I want you to go buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> Like, you are the king of just the filthiest pools on release day. It's amazing to me.
1: Mm. I guess that's one thing I got going for me. If I could play
0: well, that would be better, you know? <laughs> no, opening a better pool is better. Like, for sure. I don't know how many times I've gone, like, 3-2, and I'm like, you know, the all-common-uncommon, because all my rares are, like, you know, mismatch, one-with-nothing style rares. That's... That's the card where you discard your whole hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm sure I, if Lion's Eye Diamond existed, that's the kind of rare I would open in a limited pool. <laughs> um, anyway, but Thalia, again, we just talked about this, how underrated that card is. If you played against the mono-white deck, uh, <coughs> again, people saying, oh, man, you know, h- delaying you a turn, and it's like, Dude, have you played against Mono White? Delaying you a turn is a huge problem. Yeah. A huge problem. And a lot of times, if they have aspirants online, they're going to kill you within that difference in turn, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I still haven't played against Vampires or Zombies. I've seen so many lists posted on Goldfish Arena Zone Twitter, and I don't... Like, dude, it's not for lack of trying. Like I just keep playing against other control decks, Blue-Red, Mono-Green, Mono-White. Yeah. so theoretically they're out there. I guess I could brew one on my own, but then again, I'm shredding my already very low wild. Like I think <laughs> I'm down to like 4 rare wild cards. So precious mythics right now, man. Like ugh. Yeah. All of them. All of them. <laughs> um but the bottom line is blue red, man. Uh whether it's like a three-color version or not, we're still living in this world where epiphany is dictating the pace. And I think it will get better because I think all these decks have better tools, right? Like Ascend and yeah. Pack like if Mono green goes Ascend Pack Leader, Ascend Pack Leader, um, and you're an Epiphany deck, I don't know how you're properly addressing that in time. Yeah. Um but we just still don't have the option to go bigger with like a Jun deck. And my preference would be Epiphany is gone. I don't know that there's a ton of answers here besides just going underneath it. And maybe that's just the metagame and that's the format. Like, if if this doesn't change, and it could change, Cameron, there could be some combination of cards that obviously I don't see. Um, are you going to be happy with that for the next few months? Or are you going to no. see yourself tapping out sooner?
1: No, I mean, I you know, and in fact, this past week, I, I was playing Standard before Crimson Val came out, and I was playing just a green-black deck, you know, that was doing the Asika chariot and whatnot and I was having a good time. And for whatever reason, the way that Wither Wizard's um, pairing algorithm works, I feel like if I'm playing a control deck, I see a lot more control like you. And when I play mm-hmm. a green based deck, I'm seeing a lot more green based decks. And I love that. So I feel like I-, I still want to see all runs Epiphany gone. I think um, I'm just I'm just done. I'm I'm ready to go away from that um but i don't know man i don't know i don't know how i feel about how things are going to shape up the next two weeks
0: let's give it a couple weeks and see mm-hmm. but boy i would like to see a change there and i think i'm sorry i i think people bl- discussing banning the chariot like i think that's a one-way ticket again to crazy town i just don't think that card is on the power level i think it could be addressed i just feel like whenever they copy a six six or whatever it just "Quote unquote" feels bad, but it's a very addressable thing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've killed that token with a one mana spell, and there are multiple one mana spells that address it in yeah. multiple colors. So that's just something we got to figure out. So anyway, we'll keep our finger on the pulse of the metagame, uh, Cameron. We're gonna get out. We've been playing a lot of video games and doing some other stuff. So we're gonna get out of the segment and come right back. Mm-hmm. All right, Cameron. Once again, dude, one of the things I love about doing this show, where we talk about the last segment, is there is something on this list, I have no idea what it is, and that is The French Dispatch. Is that a show, a movie? It is a movie,
1: an art house film, Uh, so right up our listeners' alleys. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I want to talk about it, because it's by um, a director that I really, really do love, uh, Wes Anderson. Who has made Darjeeling Unlimited, uh, you know, I mean, Moonrise Kingdom, Royal Tenenbaums. I mean, he's got a style that is all his own and it's very enjoyable to watch his films. This is his latest movie um, dealing with uh, Bill Murray, who is a magazine publisher of this magazine called The French Dispatch, which is for the for an audience intended for um kansas so it's like because like he immigrated his, his dad was like the publisher of like a kansas newspaper and he went to france and this started this magazine to send to his viewers so like kind of this travel thing um but this stars i think every single person wes anderson has ever worked with ever you know i mean so like jason schwartzman owen wilson bill murray and just go on and on and on and on um mm-hmm. it's kind of like three vignettes about three specific stories. Um and it's just well written, well told. And if you know Wes Anderson's story style, it's just kind of like lockdown camera, uh, with almost like these like dioramas, the way that it's all kind of set up. So it's just wonderfully shot. Um and this is like the first like I would say kind of like art house film that I've seen, you know, since the pandemic. And It was great. It was just great to go on a Friday night with my wife and, you know, go on a date on a movie and have something to talk about in depth, you know, afterwards. So um, I would recommend it. Like, I mean, I feel like um, it's not going to be for everybody, but it's definitely, like, one of those movies that um, is is worthy of a conversation afterwards with, with friends or with spouse or whatever, so... It's good.
0: I mean, hey, and my spouse and I are also friends, which is pretty great. Works out better that way, I find. (laughs) Uh, Now, Wes Anderson, I don't think I've seen like the last four of his movies, and it's not Oh wow! I I really like his stuff, but like um, many of them I just haven't gotten to, and my wife doesn't really care for his films, honestly. Yeah. And so it's kind of been a thing that I have to watch on my own, and that just doesn't happen very often, because usually when I'm on my own, it's game time, because I'm Super backed up on video games for at sure. all times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I do, like, uh, what's the Aquatic Life? Life uh, Aquatic, uh, yeah. I really liked that film, like, a lot. Yeah. And uh, that was definitely my favorite. Uh, the Royal Ten Bombs was probably maybe too dry for me. Yeah. But I think, like, because he did Rushmore as well, right? Like, he that did is. That that was kind of a foundational indie film of the late 90s, right? And so, yeah, yeah. Um, was it late 90s, early 2000s? I feel like I saw that yeah, in high like school.
1: Yeah, 98, 99, yeah, yeah.
0: So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of stunned that you didn't refer to Shang-Chi as an independent film camera.
1: Um, <laughs> I know, like weird, like, the, the Disney
0: megalopolis. Yeah, and by the way, by the way, watched that last night, and um, I enjoyed it i Mm -hmm. i just love people's criticisms of marvel movies that are the criticisms of marvel like yeah when people are like oh it's so samey and these things always end in big battles it's like have you read a comic book that's (laughs) printed by marvel like this is this is the formula and like Mm -hmm. again when you're at a comic book shop and dc i think generally has a different vibe but you know you have image you have you know Uh, Oni Press, you have Dark Horse, you have all these different things, but whenever you're just getting Marvel, and if you were to just get Marvel books, yeah, you would have a very similar vibe across the thing, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's just what it is, right? Um, well, anyway, uh, good movie. We'll just say that. Yeah. I do want to mention that I reread. I just finished up this morning my reread of The Long Halloween, and I kind of intentionally took it like one issue at a time. I actually have the original like issues. So, um, you know, I it's really fun to get an ad for Independence Day on VHS. Um, in, in the middle of this. And if you don't know, Batman Long Halloween was a mini series published, I think it's like 96, 97. And it is, it was a monthly mini series set during the second year of Batman's career. It's called The Long Halloween because it starts at one Halloween and ends at the next Halloween. And it's about a serial killer who murders members of the mafia on each holiday, um, uh, between here and there. So there's like a Mother's Day one or a Valentine's Day one, mm-hmm. St. Patrick, whatever. Um, and this book is like super foundational it reads a lot like a continuation of frank miller's batman year one which is incredibly foundational to really batman after that point like Mm -hmm. um there are many elements of long halloween in the nolan films there are many uh elements of long halloween in other things supposedly the next batman film is going to be heavily based on long halloween and you can kind of see that in the vibe yeah um And rereading, this is probably, I don't know how many times I've reread it, but it's been, we'll say, probably 10 years since I've actually read the dang thing. Um, Wow. It's still really good. Jeff Loeb is the writer, and Tim Sale is the artist. And you will find no comic book writer that has greater ups and downs than Jeff Loeb. (laughs) Basically, my, my, my rule of thumb with him is, if he's not paired with Tim Sale, don't read it. Hmm. Um, and you kind of get into this weird, like, well, how much of this is story input from the artist versus him? You know, you don't know how these collaborations work. But when he's paired with Tim Sale, it's just amazing. And then he did, like, a run on Ultimates, which is maybe the worst thing I've ever read.
1: <sighs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, and I didn't like his Superman Batman. I know a lot of people did with Ed McGinnis. Um, But it's very medium. No one would mm-hmm. say that this is, like, a life-changing thing. Whereas Batman Long Halloween kind of stands out on his stuff as, like, wow. And so... He and this artist, Tim Sale, have done a lot of collaborations. Uh, there's three Batman ones, um, and there's like a Spider-Man one that's pretty good. The Daredevil one is also quite, quite good. It's called Daredevil Yellow, and if you've watched the Daredevil TV show, uh, there are entire episodes that are out of that miniseries mm-hmm. as well. But my point being here is this is completely worth the re- re- reread. And it stands in stark contrast to modern Batman. And I really like the current Batman run. I'm a subscriber, like I get it every month. And comic books now are just so overwritten by comparison. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because now a comic book is $4, they want to make it just so text-dense. But it's kind of like we reverted back to the like 70s, hmm. where we're just really afraid to have the artist show off. And Long Halloween has these amazing art, like moments of art, and they're just like, you can read an issue of Long Halloween in 10 minutes, right? Like, it's a super fast read, mm-hmm. you can't do that with a modern Batman, because we just have to fill it with lore and fill it, and again, some of it's really good, and I do like um, the, the modern Batman, but it's just so refreshing how breezy it is. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't read it in a while, sit down, go back through it, it's really good, and just the art is astounding, just astounding. Um yeah, you've read Long Halloween, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I've read it a couple times and
1: it's it's time. I think it's due. Yeah, I should check it out again.
0: Oh, worth pointing out the reason that our this has been republished as a or remade as an animated movie on HBO Max. Yeah. Um and I tried, Cameron, I tried. And it's not the DC animated movies are not bad. They're highs and lows. They're, yeah. Yeah, they're just First of all, not nearly the quality of like the actual animated series. This is not this is a separate thing. Yeah. But like they're just fine. And you still kind of find yourself maybe as a comic book reader, maybe that's just in me. It's just like, I would rather just be experiencing this via comic book. One hundred percent. Yeah. All right. So all that aside, let's talk about the big game release and uh, one of the biggest releases of the holiday, it's Forza Horizon five. Now, Cameron, you uh, completed the arduous journey of the download and yeah. were greeted with the sparkling vistas of this uh, Mexico. Tell me about your experiences with this drive, dude.
1: This. Um, so I'm just going to say, I, I don't know for people out there who have never played the game Little Big Planet. It was a PlayStation three game that came out God, a decade plus ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, really, really good. Completely different game than Forza Horizon. However, where it feels similar to me, or my 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 feelings as I've been playing this game, are just a sense of happiness. Uh, the music, the the art style, the direction, all of it are just overwhelmingly positive, overwhelmingly just happy. And I love being in that sort of environment. I mean, it is. A one like a radical turn from you know like i think a lot of video games which are all great but we got to be super serious we got to you know have like the daunting music we got to make this feel epic and this is this like feeling epic and like every opposite direction of just hey here's a game have a good time your mission is to find locations so we can throw a party you know like it's <laughs> like that um and then, as I was telling you, like uh, this is like I think the best looking game I've ever played on the on the PC. Um, it's running at four. I mean, I don't. I have a, a modest system. I don't have like a tricked out system by any stretch. Um, but uh, you know, RTX 4K running at a locked 80 frames, and it just is looks incredible like the the lighting effects the dust effects the particle effects all of that are just like in a class all their own like uh this game is uh really good and it's got its teeth in me like which is great so i'll be playing this you know a a dollar well spent i guess with the xbox game pass uh
0: yeah so i've played a lot of forza horizon three and four Mm-hmm. And, again, I was telling you, like, ostensibly, when you look at it on paper, it seems like it would be the same because the mission structure is the same. Yeah. And it's really hard to identify what is different here. But the confidence that this game exudes from second one on, it's like really something special. And I I, I miss this kind of vibe in a game where it's a super fun. I mean, you could take this to Wave Race 64, right? Mm. Or Ridge Racer or Daytona. This kind of sparkling bright super fun racing, but also under the hood of this is like a really intense physics system. If you are a gearhead and you want to get into the you know, traditional Forza stuff here, you can, right? That's there mm-hmm. for you. And then there's also if you're a burnout paradise Devotee, uh, do you feel like driving a Bronco down a mountain? Maybe how about a volcano instead? How's that feel? Right. So you kind of have both of these things. I feel like if you're all the way looking for one or the other, you might feel a little shortchanged. Like if you want burnout, like ICA wreck in slow motion and the mm. gears fly off, blah blah blah. Or if you want to like adjust the camber so you can, you know. Have your tires heat up at the right moment. And like again, if you're at the super far ends of the spectrum, but you'll find that there's a lot of that compromise here. However, I just found the mission structure in the first couple hours to be a lot better and more interesting than what they've done in the past. Yeah. Yeah. There's a focus on pace, I guess is how I would say it. So I to me, this is a, a, a the first realistic this could be the best racer of all time and the first time we've had that discussion since burnout paradise because with forza horizon 4 especially there was kind of this once you got past this intro which was ridiculously cool Mm -hmm. um it kind of went into this really samey loop of stuff and this has not had that. The kind of side missions are more interesting. And it took them a while in Horizon 4 to get the Forza-thon. Hey, you're in with other people, so you can do the Burnout Paradise style. Like, we want 50 people to pass this speed camera or, you know, however many. But this is, like, available, like, with that now. And I'm. Tr- it's hard not to say this without sounding like I'm just, like, trashing on the U.K. I've been to England and U.K. <laughs> I think it's an amazing place. I love my time there. But I think, as a driving experience, Mexico, the way it's presented here, is just there's more variety. You know, I'm mm. not just crashing through innumerable stone walls. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, I it, it's just really special. And if you have a PC that can do this, or you have any of the line of Xboxes, definitely pick it up. The one thing I would say is Forza Horizon 4 was really hampered by obscene load times. Like, sometimes in excess of 5 minutes Ooh, okay. and on a series x we're inside of like 20 seconds kind of thing yeah. so i'm sure on your pc uh, do you have an nvme i don't even know yeah
1: and that it was a gen 4 super speed yeah like the load times are if there are load times i'm not noticing them because they just they're they're fast right yeah
0: yeah you could be loading it up right now you could be playing it right now while i'm talking to exactly. you have no exactly <laughs> um but yeah, so uh, huge recommend it. and like again, I didn't I think this is going to be what I need before Elden Ring, which is going to be the exact opposite. Sure. Ha- yeah. Have you watched any of the footage of Elden Ring? Uh, yeah, yeah, it looks great. <laughs> yeah, when people do the super reductive, it just seems like Dark Souls and Breath of the Wild it's like eh, Are we are we are you treating that like it's a bad thing? Question mark. Cuz that seems like the best thing yeah, um, yeah it's like dude it's like they put the peanut butter in the chocolate then put it in ice cream can you believe that <laughs> i know
1: <laughs> they might have something going for them i'm, I'm excited <laughs> yeah. it looks so good yeah yeah uh i don't know like uh last year i mean obviously there's like cyberpunk and there was that entire fiasco but it just felt like it like we we're really lacking on like big holiday le- releases and um this year just seems to be delivering in more ways than one. I love it. It's great.
0: Yeah, Deathloop also still super good. Still plugging away at that when I get a chance. It's just I have to have longer sessions. Yeah. And so it's like okay, maybe two hours a week on that. But um, Forza, man, something special. I also just want to mention a couple other games here. Just I put in and tried the Crisis Remaster trilogy. Good. Put in and tried because San Andreas is available through Game Pass. An absolute horrific embarrassment. <laughs> um, I was having frame skipping on a Series X for a PlayStation 2 game. Like, absolutely inexcusable. Mm-hmm. I, would, I, I, I know this, that it's available on Switch as well. Um, but we're talking about... Regardless of what you think of those first three Grand Theft Auto 3 games, I mean, they deserve a pretty insane treatment for how important they are in the history of games and then oh dude it feels like a mobile
1: (laughs) that's sad. like
0: translation it's so sad so don't even hit download if it's available to you cameron so i'll wait i'll wait all right if someone would like to talk to you about you know your favorite if it's vice city gta3 or san andreas where can they find you
1: you can find out on twitter at cameron underscore mccoy
0: and I am at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at Spike feed MTG. We'll check you guys next week.